0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a new year and a new chance for you to make a fresh start with your compliance. For the next 31 days on the FCPA Compliance Report, we're going to be bringing you a daily tip, strategy, or idea that you can use to improve your program. Here's your host, Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. The Board of Directors' role in Internal Controls. Internal control maven Henry Mixon has noted that the basic framework for internal controls is derived from the COSO model developed by the Committee of Sponsoring Organizations of the Treadway Commission back in 1992. This model has become the standard for an internal controls framework and provides a structure to ensure companies address key elements that should result in an effective system of internal controls. Using the COSO model, as modified in 2013, it provides a specific in very supportable approach when adversarial third-party challenge reaches a company around effective internal controls. If you're a U.S. public company, you know that under the FCPA, for instance, you're required to have effective internal controls. The COSO model defines internal controls in a pyramid from top to bottom as the control environment, risk assessment, control activities, information, and communication and monitoring. So what internal controls does a company need to institute, and what's the board's role in that? Each company defines its internal controls to fit its business by determining what the company wishes to protect and what type of control environment it needs to have in place. This means it can be less formal in smaller companies, but it's still effective if the focus is on the right risks, Based upon Anti-corruption risk. The most common controls. These are identified as following: dealing with third parties, gifts and entertainment, and charitable donations. Even within those categories, a wide risk, a wide range of risk exists, depending on the company's business practices. A top-down check-the-box generic set of internal controls, and policies and procedures will not likely result in effective controls, and that's really what you're aiming for, is effective controls. The process to determine which internal controls are needed will be of some familiarity to a compliance professional. Of course, it starts with a risk assessment to establish which corporate policies are applicable, tailored to the company, and sufficiently specific. The risk assessment will also help to identify the types of transactions across the company which should be addressed. I mentioned gifts and entertainment, but also things like maintenance of bank accounts and movements of cash. Of course, dealing with third parties is always going to be critical in an anti-corruption compliance program. The next step is to prepare a set of documents which will define the control objectives to be in place for each transaction. For example, controls will be in place to ensure that no vendor has been added to the vendor master file until complete due diligence has been finished on the vendor, and the vendor has been approved in accordance with corporate policies. Thereafter, you you will need to document how the controls will be performed and how they will be evidenced, and then incorporate the control procedures into an applicable work instruction and job description. I would caution that for each business location, you must determine the specific controls needed to accomplish each objective. In many companies, a disparity of operating practices and accounting systems will result in different controls being needed. I must emphasize that while this assignment may seem overwhelming, it can be done in reasonable stages pursuant to a specific implementation plan. In other words, it does not have to be done all at once for the entire company. So now I'd like to turn to specifically... The board's role and break that down into five concepts. Once again, this will not be unfamiliar to the compliance practitioner, so you can utilize much of your prior work in other areas to think through how the board should look at these issues and what the board's role is. Number one, risk assessment. A board should assess the compliance risks associated with its business, and I would add that would need to be broader than simply compliance because if you look at the Wells Fargo scandal, here we had a sales incentive program driven by a sales quota utilized for employee evaluations on a benign product. If you put those together, none would appear to have high risk, yet with the way it was run, it became a huge scandal and problem for Wells Fargo. Number two, your corporate policies procedures and code of conduct a board should have an overall governance document which will inform the company its employees stakeholders and third parties of the conduct the company expects from from each of those stakeholders if the company is a global multinational this document should be translated into relative excuse me relevant languages as appropriate throughout the organization number 3 implementing procedures A board should determine if a company has written procedures in place that instruct employees, third parties, and other stakeholders on the details of how to comply with the company's policies and procedures. In other words, you've got to explain how you're going to implement this. Training. Now, for the board, there are two levels of training. The first should be a general understanding of The specific compliance programs that are being incorporated, but there should also be a training to allow the board to understand its role in management of risk going forward, clearly in conjunction with anti-corruption risk such as the FCPA. So you've got to really train the board on two levels. They need to know the specifics just as other senior management or high-risk individuals within your organization may need to know, but they need to also understand their obligations under an effective compliance program. And finally, step five, monitor. A board should independently test, assess, and audit to determine if policies and procedures are a living and breathing program, not just a paper tiger. So you can see from these five steps, they are not going to be really anything new or different, yet this framework of these five steps, and once again, I'm indebted to my colleague Henry Mixon for laying them out in this manner, gives you a way to think through the board's obligation, the board's role, and what you will have your board doing going forward. So what are the three key takeaways for today? Well, the first is maybe step back and ask Has your company implemented COSO 2013? If it has not done so, uh, this is something I think you should uh, really take a very strong look at. This is the standard that the Public Oversight Board, Public Accounting Oversight Board, has uh, uh, talked about. And if you do not use COSO 2013 in your framework for internal controls, you're going to have to have a substitute system, and you're going to need to have an explanation of why that substitute system uh, should be in place. So start with the first question, has your company implemented COSO 2013? Next question, what was your board's involvement? And by this I mean did it even reach the level of the board How involved was the board? Did the board compliance committee or audit committee, where is it involved? Uh, Is there uh, oversight on the implementation of your internal controls? And finally, once again, sticking with the basics, what's your documentation of all this? Uh, As you know, the three most important things in in an anti-corruption compliance program are document, document, document. Well, this is probably even more true at the board level because you're going to need to be able to show one appropriate board minutes for this action, but also your backup documentation that was presented to the board and presented to the appropriate board subcommittee, whether that be the compliance committee or the audit committee. So what is your documentation? This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for joining me on day seven, and I hope you will join me for day eight of One Month to a Better Board. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, where in the month we're going to take a look at the role of the Board of Directors in a best practices compliance program. This production of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join me again tomorrow.